Welcome to From Beer to the Bible with your host, Urban Lee. Each week, you'll hear stories from Urban's road to sobriety and steps you can take to help you or a loved one find healing through Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, Urban Lee. Welcome. This is your host, Urban Lee of From Beer to the Bible. You can find information about the book at FromBeerToTheBible.com. You can support Hampton Ministries at HamptonMinistries.org. I want to welcome my co-host, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, guys. Uh, And we have a very, very, I'm going to put lots of varies on it, special guest, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, say hi to our listeners. Hey, this is Elizabeth Olson. Nice to meet everybody via radio waves. (laughs) Well, we're so excited to have you. And as we do on our show, I always open with inviting the Lord in by saying a prayer. So we'll say a prayer and then we're going to get into your story. Great. Father, we thank you for your tremendous love, grace, mercy, and long-suffering towards us. We ask that you bless the work of Elizabeth's hands, bless her family, bless Sarah and I, and bless all of our listeners, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm, Amen. Uh, Well, Elizabeth, I have been waiting to hear your story, so let's jump right into it. Would you share with us and our listeners your spiritual journey to uh, your road to recovery? Sure. Well, that's a that's a big ask right there. It's a big <laughs> intro. <laughs> um, first, let me say I'm just um, honored and privileged. Um, anything that that I can do that um, that honors Christ, mm-hmm. I want to be a part of. Amen. And um, I can tell you that. I was raised in the church, Church mm-hmm. of Christ, and I had an awesome um, grandmother and mother and father that um, had us in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, mm-hmm. every Wednesday night. Okay. And it was literally like three blocks down there. And it was so funny because I remember my grandmother, this is one of the few things I remember. She was 99 when she died, by the way. Oh, wow. And um, she, if we were going to be late, she would take off walking because, Mm -hmm. like, she was not going to be late to church. And um, just the cutest thing. And (laughs) so um, I was raised, um, and I'm super grateful because Uh I think that all of the prayers that my um, that my parents and um, grandparents and um, brothers, I have three older brothers and and sister, wonderful sister-in-laws. Okay did for me, truly brought me through the dark times of my life. Okay. And um, I was a, um, I was an alcoholic from very early on. I remember being in probably eighth grade and there was an older um, boy who wanted to like take me on a date. And um, my girlfriend and I drank a couple of wine coolers and I was like, that's it. Like mm-hmm. I could care less about anyone or anything else. And I was, I was just an alcoholic from the start. Wow. And so I had pretty much done everything I was ever going to do by the time I was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would have periods of doing well. I was, um, I was in acting and so I would, I would do well some of the time, but, um, there was long periods that, um, that I wouldn't do well. And I struggled with both chemicals, eating disorder, mm-hmm. um, kind of a variety of things. Okay. And, and really what I know now, what we know is that's that spiritual hole. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And so, I mean, I think that being young is, is difficult. And I think that there's a lot of pressure. And so instead of going to my roots of what I had been taught spiritually, Mm -hmm. I filled my hole with, um, with those other things. And I just happened to be wired a little bit differently and it, it took off into, um, a pretty severe addiction for me. And now all of this is while you were in high school is when you started to, is that when you started to notice the symptoms of, Hey, I might have a a problem while you were still in high school? Yes. I actually, I can tell you that from an, even of an earlier age, fifth grade is Mm -hmm. really where I, I felt there was something different about me. Okay. And it was just an emotional feeling. And it was, it was that self judgment Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the shadow side, I felt very strong at that age. And so when I did find alcohol, it was my answer. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate. And Elizabeth, I know you were in sports and cheerleading and, um, all of those things that we do in high school. Mm -hmm. Did your parents know, or did that stuff kind of, did you hide behind the cheerleader and did you, you know, the accolades and the things that you did? Well, I did most of my sports and cheerleading in, um, in junior high okay. and my freshman year. And that's when it all really started to spiral. So mm-hmm. my sophomore year, the cheerleading and the sports went out the window because I was already too interested in drinking and using. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I still was in theater. And I made a um, a couple of big mistakes and um, didn't get to perform. Uh-huh. But um, I did maintain that. And like I said, I had periods where I would do okay. And But then, you know, the binging. And then by the time I was in college, it was all the time. And I um, I went to... Oh, gosh, nine different colleges, kind of jumping around thinking, well, this place, uh-huh. this place I'll be happy, and yep. this place I'll be happy. And um, and it wasn't. I went to Harding. I went AC. Um, I took a little break and got my real estate license, which was a great job for an alcoholic because you didn't have to be in the office. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I was really miserable. I mean, I had this huge hole in my heart, and I saw my beautiful sister-in-laws who were such godly, amazing women. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself all the time, why can't I just be like them? Yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember that feeling as well. Now, as you're going through all of this and having been raised the way you were to be rooted and anchored in Christ, did you ever at any point decide, well, maybe I need to get back to Christ or how did you think about Christ as you were in your active addiction? I did. And I actually tried to go to new churches. I tried new friends and the addiction was too strong at that time. So I would go to church and I would make friends and we would go to dinner and then I would drink wine and off to the races I would go. And those friends at one point even stepped in and said, hey, can you maybe not drink as much tonight? And I really, I I wanted to. I wanted to not drink as much. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I didn't have the solution. Okay. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. I prayed. I prayed. I asked. I begged. But I didn't have a solution. Mm -hmm. And now as you were, and and I want to sit here for a second because we were were talking about this on one of the other shows is that, 
we pray and we ask God for things. We have to remember that God is a God of action. And with our prayers, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of it as we, you know, we all know as recovered or recovering addicts is that, yes, we have to pray, but then we have to put some, some action and faith with that. At what point did you decide to put action with your prayers? Well, that was divine intervention. Mm, I love it. I love <laughs> that it. Was, yes. That was God okay. saying, okay, here goes your story. And um, I had gotten, I was in San Antonio and working for a realtor, and um, I had not shown up to work, and they thought something horrible had happened to me. And so um, the police ended up banging down my door because I wasn't answering. Uh-huh. And... Um, out of fear, I called my parents and okay. said, I need help. And they said, yeah, we know. And they, wow. um, they had me, they came and got me and had me in La Hacienda Treatment uh-huh. Center um, within about two hours. And how old were you? I was 23. Oh, wow. And so when you arrived, because I always like to hear this, because I remember when I walked through those doors of, of rehab, I remember... Just all the thoughts I had. What were you thinking when you walked through the doors of La Hacienda? I wasn't, honestly. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was. Um, I had t- been taking a lot of benzos okay. as well, and I was in no condition to really think about anything. Uh-huh. And I just kind of didn't want to be in trouble, and and I was. I was tired. Yeah. I was exhausted, and I was um, just that soul sickness. Yeah. Yes. And and it took me quite a while to um, to detox. Mm-hmm. Actually, like twenty two days. Oh wow! And um, and to really get clear, and I wasn't even clear at that point. And um, La Hacienda, you know, ended up sending me to an extended care facility in California. Okay. And then when you got to California, you're detoxed. You're getting sober. And what happens next? Well, I was, um, actually I ended up staying in that treatment center for nine months in various levels of care. They had residential and, um, you know, then you slowly kind of step down and sober living and get a job. And, um, actually they had a school program. And so I actually ended up going back to school while in treatment Mm -hmm. and, um, getting a certification to, um, go on for, um, KDAC, which is like an LCDC here. Okay. And so I did that, and I actually ended up relapsing at eight and a half months, and I was going to two meetings a day. I was the treasurer, GSR of meetings. Uh I thought I was doing the deal, but I was trying to take care of other people, and they didn't want to be sober, and um, ended up getting, you know, relapsing with them. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I came back that next time, I had some amazing people. Um, her name was Cindy, Cindy M. Mm-hmm. And she scooped me up and really taught me um, how to live, breathe, think, um, the 12 steps. Okay. And so um, I did that, and that is actually my sobriety date, um, January 26th of one. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, Yes, congratulations. And I want to just, let's go back just a little bit and talk about the relapse. Because so many times I hear people, you get into recovery, and it's almost like there's this shame and this, I guess, 
discouragement when one relapses and talk about how you overcame your relapse and what oh, was key. Yeah, it was really, really hard because I felt like I had identity mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. I had all of these sober friends and um, it was difficult to walk back into um, into the rooms and it was difficult to um, to do that. But my family, again, thank you to my family, mm-hmm. <clears throat> just kind of said, this is, this is it. You don't, you're kind of on your own if you don't get this. They had been so supportive. And also at that time, um, right when I relapsed, I turned away from God Mm -hmm. and I said, this doesn't work. I tried it. Yeah. And God's not there. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, you know, trying to, to get sober again and my brother and um, sister-in-law and nephew had come out, and we went to the San Diego Zoo, and I loved wolves, uh-huh. and there was no wolves anywhere. I was looking for wolves, no wolves. And I sat down, and I said this little prayer. I said, God, if you even exist, if you're even out there, yeah. take care of my dog, who was a part wolf. Uh-huh. And I got up and I turned around, and 10 feet from me was a trainer walking a full-blooded wolf. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that gave me good. chill bumps. Yeah. And so from that point on is kind of when my, tr- what I'll call true relationship with Christ began. Yeah. True journey. I mean, I had been baptized when I was younger, but I was doing it to make my family happy yeah. and wasn't completely invested, and, mm-hmm. um, and that's where it all um, the journey began. Was that, would you say, was that your spiritual experience or your big aha moment or your big? That was look. one. Yeah. I think there were several, uh-huh. but that was one, definitely. It, it feels like, it's like my grandmother used to tell me, baby, you have to get your own faith and your own relationship with the Lord. And it sounds like that was the beginning of you getting your own relationship with the Lord and also the beginning of you getting your own faith and not so much living on the faith of your, your family. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And, and I went and tried different churches, different religions at that point, because Mm -hmm. I had never done that. Mm -hmm. You know, I was raised church of Christ. I went to Harding, I went to ACU. And, um, and so at that point in California, I, I ventured out a little bit Mm -hmm. and started to, um, to search a little bit more, um, some some good, probably some a little too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, your your experience it, it brings back, I guess, a question, and 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 try and answer it for our listeners because I I had to answer it for myself. It because you grow up in these environments where you go to church, you go to Sunday school, you read the Bible, you pray, you do all the things that they tell you that are the religious things to do, but yet you still have something missing, the spiritual hole. What does that feel like and and how do you how how do you overcome it? I guess we talked a little bit about it, um, but just mm-hmm. share a little bit more on that because I think that'll help people. Well, I think that there is ways that we can get more help mm-hmm. i I firmly believe that this was part of my story mm-hmm. God using this to now what I get to do in my life now and help other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So I believe that that part of that story, not that he wants me in suffering or pain, um, but I was definitely being plumbed 
And I think that realizing that there's help out there, there's, there's 12 step programs. Mm -hmm. Um, I did actually some deep therapeutic work. Um, after I got sober, I went to on site Mm -hmm. and actually I've been there almost nine, I think nine times. Okay. And, um, and then I did an outpatient, Mm -hmm. um, for trauma. I've done, there's been several layers that I've had to go and get more help on outside help. Yeah. And so I think that looking at those dark spots in mm-hmm. us and admitting them not only to God, but to other people and allowing yes. God to help other people help me mm-hmm. has been a big part of that. Okay. And, and I love the segue. So tell us what you do now. Well, I'm actually, I've made full circle. Mm-hmm. I came back, I worked for a, a treatment center in California, the one that I went um, through for 10 years. Okay. And then I had the opportunity to move back to Texas. And now I'm the director of business development at La Hacienda, Yay. where I was once a patient. Mm-hmm. And I get to lead an amazing dynamic team, um, people like Sarah, who are just so gifted and talented, way smarter than me. Um, and I get to be their cheer- cheerleader uh-huh. and encourage them and help them find, um, you know, their skills and their talents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and most of all today, God has blessed me with um, an incredible husband who I went to high school with. Oh, that's so cool. How long have yeah. you guys been married now? Crazy. Um, it'll be nine years. Oh, that is so awesome. Congratulations. December. Yeah. And then we have two beautiful boys. Um, and those, those three things, those three men and boys mm-hmm. have been my other spiritual experiences. Okay. And so, um, my husband is, is not what I would like to say is one of us. He okay. is, he's not an alcoholic. Wow. Okay. Um, he is a, just a naturally good person. Like it's weird. It's, no, I'm like, really where did you come from? <laughs> I can't, I can't wait to beat him. I, I love to beat those naturally really good people who are not one I of us. Know. He's just like, he just knows the right thing to do. And uh-huh. I'm like, how do you know that? Yeah. So he has made me um, a better woman and just everything I've ever dreamed of. And so for me, that's been a huge spiritual experience. And then, of course, my two boys, mm-hmm. um, they're um, eight and five. Okay. And so they are, you know, continuously um, teaching me and guiding me spiritually. Oh, my goodness. Um. And, but, you know, none of that would have been possible had I not done the work on myself. Yes, yeah, that's, the, that's so important. That's so key. Now, we've got a couple of minutes before we go to break. And one of the things that's so important to me is being able to give a platform to women in recovery. So talk about it. I hear a lot from Sarah, and I want to hear your perspective on being a, a woman in recovery. I just think we have and a, a really unique, incredible opportunity to witness, encourage, and help women. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, when you're not in recovery, there's such competition between women. Yeah. And I really believe that we have the opportunity to, instead of there be competition, for there to be connection. Mm-hmm. And for to women to take care of women and to encourage one another and to support each other and lift each other up. And, yeah. and even more than anything now, I feel like 
I have an opportunity to um, to be a witness um, for Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. And it has been, this is only recently when I've really felt the strength to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a Bible study right now. It's hilarious. I um, decided to do a Bible study okay. at my family's church where, uh-huh. I, where I grew up, and I was thinking, oh, gosh, I hope it's not all like my mom's friends. Oh, it's you already all, know. It's all of my mom's friends, and they are amazing. <laughs> They're right. like people who watched me grow up. Uh-huh. And we're doing it on Elijah. Okay. And it's just incredible. And so what I want to say, if you don't know anything about Elijah, I would encourage um, our listeners to really look into the story of Elijah and how Mm -hmm. God was, um, you know, he was in the wilderness and God was preparing him, right? Preparing him to be this amazing prophet and witness of Christ. And and I'm kind of looking at at our stories in recovery, Mm -hmm. that all of that time in the darkness is preparing us to be... Um, incredible witnesses and um, and um, and cheerleaders for God. That's awesome. And we will stop right there and we will have more with Elizabeth on the other side. We'll be back with more of From Beer to the Bible right here on The Word 100.7 FM. Finding addiction help is intensely personal and the differences in options may not be immediately clear. Hampton Ministries was founded with the intent to provide people struggling with substance and behavioral issues with guidance to find the best environment for their well-being and recovery. Our main focus is to help those who use drugs and alcohol to break free and learn to cope with life circumstances. Hampton Ministries provides a rehab welcome kit to provide crucial resources to make their journey a success. Utilizing Lonnie Hampton's principles of character, work ethic, and selflessness, participants learn to hold themselves accountable. We want to help each individual obtain the life skills necessary to live a happy, successful, sober life. If you or a loved one is wrestling with substance abuse and needs help finding treatment or to donate, please visit HamptonMinistries.org. That's HamptonMinistries.org. Welcome back to From Beer to the Bible. Here's your host, Irvin Lee. Welcome back. This is your host, Irvin Lee, and from Beer to the Bible, we have truly enjoyed having Elizabeth with us. And with that, I'm going to kick it to her to close us out today. Well, thanks again for having me. And I just wanted to tell you a little bit more about La Hacienda down here in Hunt, Texas. Um, We are a substance use treatment facility on a gorgeous 40-acre campus in the Texas Hill Country with the Guadalupe River running by. It's just a perfect, serene place to come and to heal and to get your mind um, free and conscious um, and clear again. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a lot of great treatment centers out there, and I just wanted to point out a couple of things that we do differently. So we have a doctor on on campus, Mm -hmm. seven days a week, holidays, weekends, and every one of our patients sees a doctor daily. We have full clinical programming on the weekends. We have a clinical staff that's here during the week, Mm -hmm. and then a clinical staff that's here on the weekends. And that's important because if you're falling apart on the weekend, you don't have to wait till Monday to see your therapist. Yes. Then we have an incredible foundation of the 12 steps, Mm -hmm. and we really get into um, into the book and into the steps and the principles and really get people ready to go out and to connect to the 12-step program because that's what's going to keep them sober in the long run. Yes. We also have a um, Christian focus group. Mm -hmm. 
and a beautiful chapel on the hill. And so um, we give people the opportunity to work from the um, recovery Bible and how it relates to the 12 steps. And so it's just a really beautiful, well-rounded facility. Our staff have been here a really long time. Over 40% have been here 10 years or more, which is very unusual in the treatment world. And we just care. We absolutely care. So um, if you're struggling, if you need help with um, addiction, I encourage you to reach out. Our 800 number is 1-800-749-6160. And if we're not the place for you, we will definitely help you find some place that is. Well, that is well said, Elizabeth. God bless you. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless y'all too. And I want to leave you today with the love. I love you. The faith is in Christ Jesus and the hope is found in the Lord, our God. May God always richly bless you. Thank you for listening to From Beer to the Bible with host Irvin Lee. To learn more, visit FromBeerToTheBible.com. There you can catch past episode podcasts and find other resources. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com.